and welcome to Fantastic Comic Fan. I am your host, R.T. Fleming, and it is my mission to help you find your next digital comic book pick from the golden age to now. I have been reading comic books for over 40 years and have never lost my passion for comic books. Something I try to pass on to old and new readers. It's Friday, August 12th, 2022. I am releasing two dual episodes simultaneously. This is because last night was a full moon, and what better time to do a werewolf-themed episode or two? Now you might wonder why not combine the two into one super-sized episode. After all, this was the third and last supermoon of the year, so why not combine the two into a super-sized episode? Well, one of the mandates for the podcast is that that's short form, so most episodes are 30 minutes or less. That's because there are so many fantastic podcasts out there I believe people are more apt to listen to smaller, bite-sized episodes than a longer one. Now I think not only Woolworth themed this time around, but Spider-Man themed too. In the other episode, I discuss my introduction to Manuel, an amazing Spider-Man 189-190. It's a fantastic two-part story by Marv Wolfman and John Byrne. Marv Wolfman will continue to write that series all the way through to 200. This is a great time to read Spider-Man, a great Bronze Age adventure. And this was also the era where I started reading Amazing Spider-Man. So it's also special for that reason. Now that brings us to today's episode. An interview with Mark Leslie, and we talk about his werewolf novel, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. I'm sorry, Los Angeles. Mark is the first guest I've had on the podcast where we are not exclusively talking comic books. Well, kind of. The novel connects to Spider-Man and comic books, and, well, I don't want to say too much. When I started the podcast almost a year ago, I wanted to be different and cover comics in a way that's different than other podcasters. Having Mark on today fits all that criteria. I think this episode is fantastic. I'm really pleased with the way it turned out, and I hope that I have Mark back on again. If you like this podcast, please spread the word, recommend it to other comic fans, follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram. I want the podcast to grow and introduce fans to a different way of covering comic books. Now on today's episode. Welcome back to the Fantastic Fan Podcast. Today I have a new guest on. His name is Mark Leslie. This is a different type of uh, podcast guest. He's actually a novelist. And we're going to be talking about in a minute his new book called Fright Nights in Big City. But before we get into that, Mark, I want to know, what was your comic book origin story? How did you first get into comic books? <laughs> I loved I loved reading when I was a kid. I loved having books read to me. Um, my mom worked, uh, I grew up in a small town in mid-northern Ontario, uh, 2,000 people. And my mom worked at the Mini Mart um, as a part-time job when I was a kid. And the comic books would come in every Tuesday. And my mom would buy me comic books. It was Richie Rich comic books and Spider-Man comic books. Do you remember and, what era of Spider-Man you got into back then? Uh, this would, would have been the mid-70s era of Spider-Man. So there was just the amazing Spider-Man. And then there was Marvel Team-Up. And then there was Marvel tales where they yes. re represented uh, reprints of so i was i was reading the new spider-man and i think it was 
issue like 130 when I started reading The Amazing Spider-Man. And then uh, the Marvel uh, Tales reprints yes. were going back through the, the John Romita and Stan Lee and John Romita were writing together back in the day. And so I was following the old storyline of the original Green Goblin and stuff like that. And then in the era I started reading, that's when the spectacular Peter Parker, the spectacular Spider-Man came out. Which is a, bunk, a big tongue twister, you know, when you try yeah. to say that five times fast. And then, you know, Web of Spider-Man with Todd McFarlane. And, and, I, and I was, uh, through that whole era was, was my growing up and just being able to, I couldn't get enough Spider-Man. So obviously the Marvel uh, team up. Uh, and I love the fact that they got to a point in Marvel team up where it was just Spidey and someone else. <laughs> There's yes. always a Spider-Man. So, and then I even have the big, big giant comics. I still have them over here in, in uh, the big giant treasuries with two, two dollars, yes. you know, the yes. big giant ones. So it's Spider-Man and Superman team up. And there, there's, there were two different ones. Uh, and I love that, uh, that they did that. And, but then they also had some of the, the Christmas stories and stuff like that, that they just made those super extra large editions of. The, the treasury editions. Which... The treasury, yeah, those were amazing. And I, I probably have half a dozen still that haven't been destroyed. But before we go into your book, why don't you tell us some of the stuff you do? I know you've got a huge portfolio. This is a right. chance to just brag about yourself and tell everybody <laughs> what you do. Well, because I grew up on comics and reading, uh, I told stories to myself. I played with these little figurines when I was a kid. I used to tell my own Spider-Man teaming up with Daredevil and Captain America stories and stuff like that. And then around the age of 14, I discovered my mom's Underwood typewriter in the back of her closet. And I thought I, I learned the discovery of the permanence of putting these stories. These are things I imagined on paper. And, and I started actually writing. I started submitting my stories at the age of 15 got my first rejection at the age of 15, you know, sending them to short story markets. And I've eventually over the years, I've got over 30 books out. Uh, I've written true ghost story books, uh, which maybe if you want to akin uh, that back to comic books, that brings you back to the old, you know, the EC comics and the, and the vault of terror and, and all those comics that I love. So when Creepshow came out, that was just, it was an ode to those classic horror comic books. Um, and I still have a bunch of those. So I've got true ghost story books that I've written. I've got thrillers that I've written. I've written a lot of horror, a lot of short stories, a lot of horror stories. And then, of course, my most popular series is my Canadian Werewolf series, which you know started off with the novel uh, A Canadian Werewolf in New York, which has some comic sensibilities. Um, and not just that it's a nod to the movie An American Werewolf in London, which was a great horror film, but it had a lot of dark humor in that too so your fourth book just came out last year it's called again fright nights big city it's the fourth of your six issue plan i think yeah. i told a little bit of, about it just now but how long had that been dwelling in the back of your mind you know how what was the genesis behind it i saw a call for short story and it was for an anthology that someone was editing called the beast within and they wanted a story about the, the, the man behind the monster and so they wanted a monster anthology but they wanted to understand the human so kind of like you know the incredible hulk right the the, the david dr banner uh, as a uh, bruce banner as opposed to the monster and so i had visited new york for the very first time uh, not you know relatively uh, just a few years before then and fell in love with the city and i just imagined waking up 
naked in a park in a city like Battery Park, completely naked, with a taste of human blood in your mouth and a bullet hole in your leg, knowing that you turn into a wolf during the cycle of a full moon and no memory, kind of like the Dr. Uh, Jekyll, Mr. Hyde kind of thing. Yes. Or the Hulk. Like, what did, what did he do? And, and saying, what the hell did I do last this time? time? Yeah. Yeah. What did I do this time? And so that was a short story called This Time Around. And again, it was a 6,000 word story that basically says, how does this guy deal with the side effects of getting clothes, getting back home without being seen roaming around naked in New York? And this is just part of his life is having to deal with these weird things that you never think about, right? Like where he's normally has to keep clothes stashed. And so that story was never accepted. Uh, it was rejected. But a friend of mine, a novelist, Sean Costello, he read the short story and goes, this is great. What happens next? And I went, nothing happens next. It's just, it's just a story. It's just a, a slice of life in this poor schleps, uh, you know, the things he has to deal with, the side effects. But he also, as a human, has super enhanced powers. Gotcha. Uh, and it's sense and smell. And he's a little bit stronger, especially closer to the full moon. So he's, he's getting like super superhero kind of powers. Very, very comic book-esque. And then, so I decided with Sean's prompt to say, well, what happens in the whole rest of his day? And so uh, A Canadian Werewolf in New York was the novel that came out of that. And I started writing it in 2006. And I didn't finish the book until 2014. And then it was published in 2016. And it was meant to be a standalone. So again, it was supposed to be a day in the life of this guy. And you mostly see him as a human. And there's flashbacks to when he was a wolf. And then that was it. And then there were people who wanted more and wanted more. And that's when I said, okay. Stowaway was a sequel, the next book in that series um, about him being caught on a train uh, bound for Stowe, Vermont, but he's going to turn into a wolf before he gets to the end destination. And then uh, Fear and Longing in Los Angeles was the next book. And then that was followed up immediately with uh, Fright, Fright Night's Big City. So there's a, there's an obvious play on words associated with popular titles that you may be familiar with. And that's part even of your chapters are like that too. You've got some fun, fun tongue in cheek chapters also, as I was reading through the novel itself. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Lots of fun there. Obviously you're a big Spider-Man fan, but <laughs> out of all them, all those characters, why did you like zero in on Spider-Man? What was the, the big lure for him? So what I loved about Spider-Man is that it was never just about him as, as a, as a superhero. There was a lot of focus on the Peter Parker aspect. So that, you know, Michael Andrews is my main character. You really rarely see him as a wolf. You only see him as a human dealing with the fact that he turns into a wolf. Um, and then using his powers for good. And I, I just identified with Peter Parker. I was a nerd. I was an outcast. I was a misfit. Things never went right. You know, it always seemed like things would go wrong. The, the you know, the, so, the old. So I bet you have fun at like high school reunions and stuff, and say, "Hey, look at me! Remember that geek and the you know the <laughs> that nerd? nerd? That, yeah, yeah remember that? Well, yeah, yeah, here, here let me sign. Oh, no, book. no, for sure. Let yeah, me yeah, sign yeah, your living... book. For, let me sign you. Let me sign one of my books for you. Here, it's on the house. No problem. Gotcha. <laughs> living so. well is the best revenge. Exactly. But no, I just identify. I identified with Peter Parker in so many different ways. I mean, I I had been uh, adopted. So Peter Parker was orphaned, right? And he was uh, raised by his aunt and uncle and I had been adopted. So I was like, I drew parallels there. I'm like, oh, I'm being raised by, you know, my parents are, you know, I'm not the, well, he was blood related at least <laughs> right, <laughs> to me and Ben. But uh, there were all these different um, parallels that I drew with, with Peter Parker, uh, except I was not good at science. Uh, so that was the one thing. I was nerdy, but I was just not good at science. I was more good at English and stuff like that. 
gotcha. then there was just something about um there was just something about the character and how there were certain lines he would never cross and he was always trying to do his best to make a difference because he made uh, the biggest mistake he could make when he first got his powers and he was selfish and he learned obviously everyone knows the origin story but you know it's been told so many times in the movies but you know he learned that with great power comes great responsibility and that was always something that was really an important mantra in my life and so i just when I created Michael Andrews, I just, you know, you borrow from reality. Michael Andrews is a writer. He's a Canadian living in New York, except he's really hugely successful and, and all these other things. So a lot of Michael Andrews is based on a lot of my own love. And in the story, he often refers to his love and passion for growing up reading a Spider-Man comic book. So there's a huge sort of you know, obviously there's a, there's a tie in, there's a love for Stan Lee. There's a love for Spider-Man comic books. There's a love for the rock band rush because you know, that's my favorite band. And so there's a lot of stuff in there that comes from my own life, but also is directly derived from my love of comics. Michael Andrews is described, like you said, as an every man doing the right things in life. And he, he, even though he's a werewolf and there's a bit of Peter Parker in him, obviously, but Give us a little more background on Michael Andrews. I know he's not just a homage to the Spider-Man, Peter Parker, but, you know, how is he, compare and contrast him to, like, how you see him with Peter Parker and how he sees the things. I know he's not, you know, he's not a carbon copy, but there are some some things. Yeah, there are some parallels. So, like uh, like Peter Parker, he's kind of a a bit of a loser, a bit of a loner. Now he can't actually have long-term relationships because how do you explain your need to be gone for 10 days every month while you're turning into a wolf, right? Like you can't just, you know, you you go to bed with someone and they wake up and there's a, there's a beast in bed beside them. Now the wolf is not an evil wolf. It's just a wolf and wolves by nature are not evil. Uh, You know, wolves only kill, uh, only kill for two, two reasons, territory, or, or, or food, sustenance, whereas humans kill for sport. And so there's a lot of things where the, the animal is a lot more <laughs> human. <laughs> human. Humans are a lot more monsters in, 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 in the stories. There is a character, his agent. So his liter- he's, he's a writer. His literary agent is uh, a guy named uh, Mac Halpin. Uh, or Mac the Knife, because he's a cutthroat sort of agent. <laughs> and I had I did base when I was trying to describe Mac as a crusty kind of no no nonsense guy doesn't put up with any BS. He's hard nosed and he always gives Michael a hard time because he's, he's kind of like that fatherly figure that's just always hard on him. And so I modeled him after uh, J. Jonah Jameson, of course, yeah, okay. with the same mustache and the crusty behavior. Although, he, he, he loves and protects Michael, but he just does not let Michael get away with anything. Like, so he's a hard, hard edge. He's always like pushing him, pushing him, pushing him. So there are these other parallels. And then, of course, there's the woman he loves that he can't be with, uh, which was very Peter Parker-esque. Uh, <laughs> which, yeah, that, that would be uh, uh, Gail. And yeah, would you consider Gail more like a Gwen Stacy or a Mary Jane Watson? Oh, that's, a t- that's a tough one because I think Gail is is the best of Mary Jane and Gwen Stacy. And, and I'll be honest with you, as a as a as a you know dedicated lifelong Spider-Man fan, I love both of those women in different ways. Uh, you know, on Peter's behalf. Like I just fell in love like when because I was reading the reprints when Gwen Stacy died, and oh my god, ripped my heart out. And then when Mary Jane just left. 
And then she comes back years later and says, I've known you were Spider-Man all along. I actually use that in A Canadian Werewolf in New York because in the very first book, Michael's doing his thing and then he sends because he can scent people and emotions he goes back to his apartment after that weird morning and he's like i recognize that smell and he opens the door and gail's standing there and she's like andrews i need your help and now the flashback is when he last saw gail they were dating briefly but they broke up because he had to lie to her because she you know he's like he just she thought he was cheating on her because he kept disappearing and with no like really stupid excuses all the time so she broke up with him but she also runs an occult shop. And the reason they met was he was doing research for that. So in that, in that scene where she shows up, she goes, Andrews, I know you're a wolf. I'm like, I, I get it. And I need your help because I know you have special powers. So kind of like Mary Jane shows up again in the comics and says, the reason I left is I knew you were Spider-Man and I couldn't deal with it. Uh, and so, yes, but that's the Mary Jane aspect right there. And also... I think she doesn't say, you know, face it, Tiger, you hit the jackpot. But I, <laughs> I put things in there with little lines where, where it's very much like, because when, when Mary Jane first appeared, she was that cool, hip, right. uh, party girl kind of thing. And so I, I, I had some aspects of Gail that were based on her. But of course, he is, uh, yeah, Gail, Gail is the best of Mary Jane and the best of Gwen Stacy. <laughs> With great power comes great responsibility. Yeah, so what you see is uh, in the very first story and in the very first novel, because that short story got readapted into a novel, his goal is to just get home and to get to his meeting with Mac, uh, the agent, and, and not be seen. So trying to find clothes, there's some dark humor there. But along the way, he's constantly interrupted by the fact that he sees or hears something and he needs to step in and help because if, if he has to. He can't know that someone needs help without without using his powers to help them. And, and so that that's kind of like a, a really strong motivating factor in Michael's life is constantly being distracted uh, on his way to somewhere because someone needs help, uh, which is just a big, a big part of his life. So I like to think that I'll do the same thing as somebody who's worked in the industry and, and I also work uh, in the industry as a bookseller. I've been a bookseller for decades and, and I work as a representative for uh, authors who want to self-publish and stuff like that. And I often will make sure that I am paying it forward by spending time and coaching and mentoring and answering questions and helping authors. Cause I remember what it was like when I was starting. And even just similarly, I just launched a program. I'm going to be publishing a book at the end of this year from uh, youth, from my hometown, from my hometown library. Uh, and and the, the book is going to be called Creatures in the Library. And it's inspired by a program that my hometown library is running with kids where they learn about different creatures over the summer and they bring in experts and bring in lizards and stuff like that. And I thought, what about for the kids who want to write? What if I gave them a prompt? What does the term creatures in the library write? Anything that that makes you think about any genre, it doesn't matter. Uh, and I'm putting it together with cash prizes uh, all out of my own pocket. Because I want to give back to the town that gave me so much. That library gave me so much. It was, it was one of my only refuges. We didn't even have a bookstore in the town I grew up in, but we had a library. I had to go in 45-minute drive north to get into Comics North in Sudbury, which was, you know, Comics North and Bay Used Books were two of the places I would go and get both books and comics. And so, yeah, there's a lot of that in my own life. A lot of that, okay, I have this thing, and if I don't use it to help other people, what good is it? Totally agree with you because I also use the the phrase "pay it forward." Don't don't no, it's not a fit. You don't owe me anything. Just do this, 
and you know do something else for somebody else yeah maybe inspire you to do something cool if you have a chance why not we all know about peter parker's parker luck uh he just <laughs> he just you know does that way rub off on michael a little bit in the series or not so much so i would think it does mm-hmm. because there's a lot of humor in the series so there is the, yeah, and, and it's funny, it's, until you asked the question, I never really thought about it. I thought, it's like, yeah, he's a bit of a loner, he's a bit of a loser. I kind of call Michael, he's a alpha wolf, but a beta human. Mm-hmm. He's a Canadian, so he's stereotypical pushover, kind of just people pleaser. <laughs> so that's part of it. So he's constantly getting the, the crap end of the stick. But even in, in the opening, so he's naked, and he's trying to figure out how to get back to his apartment without getting spotted, because he's a pseudo-celebrity, and he's recognized because he's been in media and stuff like that. So the first thing he finds is a discarded used pair of used uh, tight, really small panties, <laughs> uh, pink panties. And so there he is, like this big guy, like six foot three, kind of like trying to Daisy Dukes, Daisy Dukes and pink. Yeah. Yeah. Even tighter than Daisy Dukes. Right. But it's just kind of like there's this sort of thing. And then he's bartering with a bag lady because he ends up getting a sign from one of those eat at Bob's burgers or whatever. And so he ends up getting a sign is covering so he's pretending to to be walking around with that sign and then he ends up bartering with a bag lady to get a shirt from her <laughs> from her cart and she wants the sign and so there's a lot of real uh humorous moments where you're just kind of like really he's got all these powers and yet look at look at him <laughs> well that's what makes it so much fun because when people think of werewolves they do think of an american werewolf in london or they think of the stephen king 80s mm-hmm. movie like Silver Bullet, which was one of my favorite werewolf movies. Oh, it's amazing, yeah. And, but they don't think about, you know, you're right. Here's a man wakes wakes up, he's naked. What what the heck's gonna go on? And you know, it's a really yeah. different, unique approach to vampire. I'm sorry, werewolfism. When's the next book come out? So uh, I actually just released uh, Lover's Moon. The fifth book came out um, just this this um, summer. And uh, it is an answer to the question because throughout the series, he still loves Gail. He knows Gail has feelings for him because he can smell it off her, but they're, they're, there's just friends. And so there's this tension between them that's kind of gone on for a long time. And I've had enough readers wanted to know, well, they dated way back when. I'd love to see the story of when they first met and fell in love. And so Lover's Moon which I co-authored with a friend of mine, Julie Strauss, who is a romance writer, because I can't write romance. And so <laughs> I wrote the Michael chapters and she wrote the Gail chapters and we wrote. Oh, that's the amazing. Of, yeah. So, and, and it was an amazing experience because I satisfied the readers who wanted to know the love story, but I also had to continue the storyline along. So the prologue takes place current day. It flashes back to 2011. And then, and the epilogue, flashes to current day again and then i set up one of those ants one of those sort of endings where you're like oh man i gotta read the next book which is coming out in february of 2023 called hex and the city and so oh, that's I, the i wonder what that's a play on yes um <laughs> geez have you ever thought about actually writing comic books yourself well you know what my my partner liz uh when she read a canadian werewolf in new york years ago the first time she said this would make a great graphic novel or comic book. Yeah, and I was I was like, yeah, I just need to connect with the right artist who would uh, readapt it properly into that format. I would love to, I mean, I'd love to take Michael Andrews and I'd love to, to see if I, you know, to do a Canadian werewolf comic book or graphic novel or whatever the case may be. If you're a comic book fan, you're definitely going to see some of the 
the Spider-Man connections in the book. Right. If, you, if you're not a comic book fan, would you are you still going to be able to see kind of like, you know, some of the, well, this is kind of interesting, a little connection with the Peter Parker type thing? Yeah, if if you're not a comic book fan or you're not familiar with them, there's enough. Michael re- refers to, he moves to New York because he grew up reading Spider-Man comic books and he loved the the, the New York of Stan Lee's imagination that kind of kicked off the Marvel Universe. Right. And so there's an obvious nod to that. Um, there's also references, I mean, uh, his superpowers are almost a combination of Daredevil wolverine some different comic books because he has the heightened senses and the heightened whatever that these other characters have unlike spider-man didn't have those powers obviously and i and i cheekily make reference to comics on a regular basis because you can't help but i think i even reference um uh, was it moonwolf uh moon knight sun Oh, uh, Manwolf, 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 Manwolf. I make reference to that because Michael refers to it and he's like, well, everyone knows like it's you get bitten by a wolf. That's how you turn into a werewolf. Not not by wearing some stone around your neck. Gotcha. <laughs> so um, so there, there are there are references. So if you know the comic books, you know what he's referring to. But uh, if you don't know them, there's enough of a background where you go, oh, this is from a comic book. Oh, neat. Gotcha. Mark, this has been a very fantastic guest appearance with you on here before we wrap this up is there anything you want to add no i just want to say i think i owe my love of reading today to comic books uh, it, had i not been into comic books at such a young age uh, it just drove it fired off my imagination my my desire for story and i'm so glad because that turned me into a lifelong reader that i continue to read comic books and novels and pretty much anything i can get my eyes on gotcha mark again Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I really would love to have you on again, either talking about your future projects or comic books in general. Hope to see you again. Thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you, Ronald. It's been fun. Well, that's it for today's podcast. Again, I would love to hear from you at fantasticcomicfan at gmail.com. Remember, new episodes every Wednesday. Thanks so much for listening to this episode, and I hope to see you next time.